0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of the Chilling with the Villain podcast. Happy New Year's. Yes, it is New Year's Day, and it is a new day for the Chilling with the Villain podcast. I do apologize in advance. I feel a little bit under the weather. This week in between Christmas and New Year's is always just kind of like, I don't know. I just feel lazy. I just want to eat, you know, leftover Christmas food. Want to eat all the chocolate that I received, and I just feel really kind of blah. But I had to get out of my blah to come record this podcast today. So I hope you're starting your new year not feeling so blah and feeling refreshed and excited to listen to "Chilling with the Villain." Because today, the reason why it is so special is because we have an interview, an exclusive interview. With former WCW, WWE, let me get this right, New Japan, AAA, and CMLL star, Mark Jindrag. Now, this is an interview I've been trying to get for quite a while now. I met Mark Jindrag a while back in Mexico. He has a really cool story. And the interview that we did with Mark Jindrag is very different to the typical wrestlers interview. So I think you'll find a lot of enjoyment and intrigue during it. So yeah, please continue to listen to hear that exclusive interview with Mark Jean drag, but enough about me enough about the show, Samuel, happy new years,
1: happy new years to you. Good, sir. Good, sir. You know how you were explaining in between Christmas and new years, that feeling where it's like, blur. you don't want to do anything. Yes. that, how people feel during that small period of time. I kind of feel all year round. <laughs> so Maybe I should do something about that.
0: I'm, I'm funny and I'm not, I'm not trying to suggest that I'm, you know, the rock or Mark Wahlberg or whatever, but I'm not very good at just like doing nothing. Like if I try to have one of those days where I'm like, I'm just going to lay on the couch and watch movies or wrestling all day. I'll get to about you know, four or five o'clock, and I'm like, I've, I've got to go do something. I can't just, yeah. I can't do it. I don't know. It's weird. I hate doing it. And people will say, you know, oh, just take a, you know, you've been working hard or you've been doing this, just take a day to relax. But for me, for whatever reason, I don't really enjoy mm. relaxing, I guess, for long periods of time, at least. I don't know. Right. How do you feel about that?
1: My problem is, I'm fine with doing that, relaxing, chilling out, doing something I want to do. My issue is, that should be a like a reward right <laughs> and the way i use it the reward just is so how do i put this i only have to do 15 minutes of work to feel like i've earned a day <laughs> of watching movies you know like i need to get it in
0: the other line. way round maybe
1: yeah or the other way yeah the other way round which would make it in line yeah that's the issue
0: would i you... feel like
1: you i feel i feel like you're too far the other way round like you'll do work for like a whole week and then you'll feel bad playing crash team racing for an hour and a half, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, it's I not like... Like somewhere
1: we should meet in the middle.
0: Yeah. I don't know if feeling bad is the right word. I just,
1: you feel like I... you could be doing something better. Like,
0: mm, more... yeah, you could be doing something more productive. It's more like guilt. I think. Yes. I like a yeah. guilt to myself. Like, Oh, I've like, yeah. I've got to do something. Surely. Yeah. It's interesting. Huh. Maybe you just said about wanting to change that. Would you suggest that there might be a, uh, a new I'll year's resolution, resolution for you? Do you do new year's resolutions or not? If okay, I, I d- guess, no, <laughs> no, because no. no, like, look at me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Has it worked <laughs> with new year's resolutions? I feel like people feel like they have to have them. So they'll quickly try and figure something out that they either haven't thought about before or, or maybe not thought about them enough, or maybe they've thought of something that's kind of like a, without being really like a pipe dream, maybe something not attainable in like half a year or a year. Whereas I've already identified mine and it's kind of easy steps. Mm. So I feel like it's easy steps, but it will kind of improve my life quite a bit. So I think that's an attainable resolution. So probably, yeah. Do you think?
0: Yeah. Well, I definitely, I definitely agree with sort of writing down your goals. And I think that when you plan your goals, I think it's much easier to attain them. I mean, that's just a thing for life as a whole. Like you think about how short life is, like shouldn't we really have a plan for life? Or if, if there's something that you you desire, something that you want or a dream that you want to accomplish, should not you try and work out some type of plan to get there? Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you, because if you don't have any type of plan, like what are the chances of you reaching that goal? Right. Yeah. I mean so i definitely think write, writing down goals is, is really good and mm-hmm. i think most years i have done that and uh maybe some years i've not and yeah i think i definitely notice uh, a difference so new year's resolutions i guess it's the kind of same as writing your goals down but i think so the time that i do spend on social media or actually even just interacting with fans that you know when i get recognized in public or whatever else It's just, I probably get asked this question every day, like, you know, like, oh, are you going to WWE? Are you going to AEW? Whatever it might be. So I feel like my New Year's resolution for 2024 should be to sign a contract with a major company or at least be on TV for a major company. And it seems like the fans absolutely want it. I'm sure there's some that don't, but... Uh, it seems like a lot of fans want it because I get asked that and told that every single day. So I feel like I need to make it my new year's resolution to suggest, okay, 2024, the villain Marty Scurll will sign with a major company. So I guess I'm putting it out there now. And I feel like 2024 is the year for it. I really do. I feel like the people have waited enough and it's yep. time. It's time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I need to just push the sound effect button. From like pablo's dog as soon as you say it's time i'm ready to hit the top fives
0: oh dear I don't do that yet but um and how was your christmas sam
1: yeah not too bad you know i love it uh i've changed my camera angle i'm in a different room so in the background i've for the last this episode the episode before you see a christmas tree this is mm-hmm. coincidental this this is actually up all year round as you know when you be around yeah i know yeah. it bothers you but it does i i love christmas i'm into so, my interior
0: know. design and then you have just got nothing and a christmas tree up i live like
1: do you remember the original the sims when you weren't using the <laughs> cheats for the money and you really did try it and you just have a you just have a completely empty house you've got the sofa a table i've got a weight machine like the the workout bench i mean and and weights just by my sofa and a christmas tree and a tv I would That's say you, how li- I live.
0: you live more like a, a student in a dorm, but I think even they put more effort in. They at least put a poster up or something. <laughs> yeah, true. and you you own this house. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Christmas was special because obviously we put out the Iron Claw review. Yes. Um, what was interesting is so we were one of the first people to review the Iron Claw, and if you haven't listened to it yet, please go back and listen. And we kind of, we were like thumbs in the middle about the whole movie. You know, there were some really good things about it. There were some things we didn't really like about it. And overall, we thought it was average, maybe a little bit better than average, but we definitely had, it didn't meet our super high expectations. And maybe that's on us. Um, But then I started looking on social media and especially within the wrestling community. I'm not sure if you saw this as well, Sam, but the people in the wrestling community were really putting it over huge and everyone was seemed to say how like how great they thought it was and how amazing it was then i almost started doubting our review i was like did we did we miss something or then i was thinking did we really like maybe, was it a great movie but just like our expectations were just way 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 too high um so i started to almost not worry but i was just like hmm that's in- it just seemed very interesting but then, well, actually, I spoke to you about it, and you sent me these reviews. Oh, I can't remember the, the reviews are from. Oh, was- the
1: Guardian, Roger, the Guardian, yes. Fair. yeah, and yeah.
0: they seem to be very actually aligned with our review. I thought they made a lot of the same points we did.
1: Yeah, I feel like wrestling types and online types really I gravitated towards the movie, but the more kind of like mainstream or like old style publications or like mainstream views kind of more aligned with hours yet we this podcast we walk that line of online types and wrestling types so it's just but we had like the more kind of like mainstream opinion or shared a lot of the critiques that mainstream reviewers Mm -hmm. also had so I, I feel like that's probably why you had that not doubt but that kind of oh I feel like I'm in a you know my our opinions are in like the wrong place, but it's just it seems like a lot of people shared our opinions, but also at the same time a lot of people didn't. It's been really interesting actually, and I'm glad. Oh, we put a community post out on a poll out on Oh, AK how did I do? YouTube people, yeah, it did it did pretty well in regards to engagement, but more importantly, it seems like people really did again wrestling types online types really did enjoy the movie. Like overall, like we there's, had the option of two thumbs up, one thumb up. And then a thumb down, and it was mostly two thumbs up, quite wow. a few, one thumb up, and then only a handful of thumbs down. So I'm glad as well. You know, we want the movie to do well and succeed. I just feel yeah. like it what
0: mm,
1: well I, I I felt like it was gonna be for me, and it in reality it wasn't, but it doesn't mean we don't want this film to like kick us.
0: No, I, I really saw well. some people suggesting like that they thought Zach Efron would get an Oscar for it. No, I was thinking, I mean, maybe actors have got Oscars for less, but it didn't, to me, it didn't scream Oscar winning performance, did it, you? No,
1: it didn't. And I also... He wasn't even the star of the
0: show for me, but go on, sorry.
1: No, it's... Well, the, um, the dad could win, like, best supporting actor. You know, that's yes. a category. That's a category. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think it's eligible for Oscars, right? Aren't there kind of, like, diversity requirements to have things considered now? How do you mean? Oscars? Like, you need, like, a certain percentage of non-white actors and production crew and stuff.
0: Oh, really? Eligible
1: for? Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, I didn't know so that. It's probably
1: not even eligible, yeah.
0: Really? Huh. I did see on social media, I think Instagram, maybe X Mm -hmm. slash Twitter as well. The Blue Meanie put a post out. And now I really like Blue Meanie. What actually, I I booked Blue Meanie before for Ring of Honor. It was really cool. But uh, he put a post out saying that he felt like the feedback was sort of the majority of people thought it was awesome. But that like the smarky smark fans were kind of like the small percentage of them. We're like, ah, oh, like we didn't like it because it wasn't, you know, because, for example, like Ric Flair had the WCW title when he should have had the NWA title. And it just like historically, obviously, it, it didn't align. Um, and I kind of thought, well, I didn't think the movie was amazing, but it wasn't because. Like, I understood that. Like, I understood it wasn't going to be completely the same as the actual Bon Eric story. I knew that going in. That's every movie. Do you know what I mean? But that's not yeah, why yeah. That's not why I didn't think it was amazing. Do you know what I mean?
1: I love the blue meanie, man. And I'd love to get him on the, episode, oh, we on the, should, on yeah. the pod one time. But, I, yeah, I didn't really like that take. I didn't agree with that take. Because I actually felt like he was doing what he was complaining other people are doing, but the other way around, like for the movie, in that take. Does that make <laughs> right. sense?
0: I think so. So It's like,
1: yeah. yeah. But I mean, the fact that everyone has an opinion on it is awesome. Yeah. When we're talking about a wrestling movie and like everyone has an opinion on it. And my non-wrestling fan, like friends, sorry, Mm -hmm. like they're all talking about it too.
0: Well, it's, uh, it's funny because now there's all this talk of A24 doing like other, you know, wrestling movies and picking up someone else's um story and i guess that begs the question sam should a24 pick do another wrestling movie or wrestling related movie what would you like them to do it about
1: that's a good question there was it's too hard to answer because on paper like if you asked me however many months ago if you wanted a24 to do a von eric movie I'd say hell yes. In fact, we did because we saw the trailer. We reacted to the trailer. It was a hell yes. But then in reality, we had issues where it was like at, by virtue of it being an A24 two-hour movie, mm-hmm. we actually didn't like it for kind of that reason. It may we'd have, have been a better series. But that's not to say not every wrestling movie. I mean, every wrestling story wouldn't serve a good two-hour movie. I think there's a lot. So it's like how do you – but we've got to pick –
0: hmm someone difficult someone sent me a tweet where someone was saying they should do a biopic of uh chris benoit and do it with tom hardy okay which i thought was relatively interesting but to be honest with you i don't think that would be my first choice like i think we've had this conversation on the podcast before where a biopic for wrestlers is just like a really exciting kind of idea because we've seen it with mainly with with art music artists and musicians yeah we've seen like the the queen one and elton john elvis and a lot of them i've really enjoyed i really have so but you know think about them even doing a hogan one or a flair one a Bret hart one there's just so many wrestlers that you think you know bruiser Brody, like so terry fuck there's so many of them like i just love that idea maybe we should get into the movie industry sam but just make them ourselves yeah i reckon (laughs) No, that's not a bad idea. Well, if we did want to make a wrestling movie, then we would definitely have to get actors and get them into great shape, right? We Mm -hmm. saw Zac Efron. The shape that he got in for the Iron Claw was pretty unreal. But when you're trying to get in shape like this, you don't want to get help from the black market. That's just not a smart idea. What you can do, though, to help you get into amazing shape is go to our sponsors legacy sups.com and get yourself the test X nine natural test booster natural being the key word. Yes. The test X nine natural testosterone booster is a professionally developed nine ingredient formula for testosterone enhancement. Think of test X nine as the all-star team of clinically proven test booster ingredients. We all know how important testosterone is and how, as we're getting older, our natural testosterone is declining. So you really need help. And TestX9 is the exact thing for you. It's going to increase your strength. It's going to increase your energy. I've just been saying how kind of tired and blah I've been feeling this week. I think I need some TestX9 myself. And also it's going to increase your sex drive, your libido. And that can only be a good thing. Not only that, but it's going to improve your sleep and just your general well-being. So you can't afford to miss out on the Test X9 Natural Test Booster. And you know what? Just for listening to the show, you can save yourself 10% of your order. Yes, just for listening to the Chillin' with the Villain podcast. Use the promo code Villain that's V-I-L-L-A-I-N for 10% off now at legacysups.com. And who knows? Maybe you could end up looking like Zach Efron in the Iron Claw. I <laughs> I I'm trying to think, would I like to look like that? Yes.
1: <laughs> would, you like, would you like to maintain it?
0: Oh boy. Well, I did see some interviews on Zach Efron just about you saying how intense you know the diet and the training was to get in that shape and it does make you giggle we see this a lot when people just say oh steroids steroids it's like i'm positive he was on a lot of stuff and probably growth hormone and everything else but it's like i've also seen so many dudes in the gym taking all sorts of stuff and they don't look nothing like that do you know what i mean so i had a a friend who said that she goes oh
1: it's just i just see steroids it's like yeah and hard work
0: right like the steroids part is the obvious you don't need to mention that that's just you know what i mean but it's like right yeah i don't believe that those steroids would make you look like that that is a lot of dedication and hard work so amount i guess when you're getting paid millions of dollars it's a bit easier to stay motivated to look like that i guess
1: yeah Oh, I, I thought of a movie, by the way. That A twenty four should do. Remember, remember uh, Santino's story: going to Japan, leaving his daughter at home, that sort of thing. Yeah, before, that'd be a good. That would be a good movie story, I think.
0: Yeah, it would be. I mean, honestly, any real professional wrestler that's made it is is probably got a probably very has a story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Like talking about wrestlers and movies, mm-hmm. and obviously our episode last week, the Iron Claw. Yeah, it got me thinking. There's been a bunch of wrestlers that have tried to move into Hollywood and a lot of wrestlers that fancy themselves as actors. So it got me thinking, maybe a good theme for this week's top five would be the top five wrestler performances in movies. So Sam, you know what time it is. It's time. It's time for Marty and Sam's top five. Maybe I'm going to go first. Cause I think All you're, right. you're more of a movie guy than I am. So coming in at number five, Randy Savage as bone saw in Spider-Man. <laughs> now that might seem like an odd choice. There's a really funny meme that I've seen. I'd have to I wonder if I could find it where it's basically like, Randy Savage wrestled for 25 years and won multiple world championships to prepare for his role as Bonesaw in Spider-Man, <laughs> 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 which I thought was really funny. But the reason why I love um Randy Savage as Bonesaw so much in Spider-Man was just because to me, the way he looked, the way he was dressed, his gimmick, the way he looked and his name Bonesaw, it was like the sort of like ultimate, Sort of idea, I think, of what like a casual person thinks of as like an American yeah. wrestler. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? He like played Literally. that like he played that role just so perfectly. Like anyone would see him and be like, "Oh yeah, it's a wrestler." Do you know what I mean? Um, I just thought that was so good. Like he looked tremendous, so good hmm. in Spider Man. And what year did that come out? Two thousand and two, was it? I think so. Bone saw Spider Man. I'm just putting up a picture of him again now, but. I want to say maybe two, yeah, 2002, but I'm looking at these pictures. And I'm like, dude, he looks incredible. And you just think, man, why couldn't they sort things out with the WWE and, you know, have him come in in 2002 when he looked like this or 2001 or wherever it was. you're just like, Oh, it would have been amazing. It's such a shame that we never got that. And you know what? I'm looking at the pictures now and I'm thinking, Hmm, why have I never thought of doing a bone saw? Costume for Halloween. For Halloween, yeah. Good. <laughs> there we go. I'm not sure if anyone knows who it is, but uh, yeah. So yeah, my number five, Randy Savage as Bonesaw. And of course, Randy could probably only really play a professional wrestler. And here he is. My number four is also a wrestler playing a wrestler. But this is less because of how well he did and more just like how important, I guess, it kind of was on the business. My number four is Hulk Hogan. As Thunder Lips in Rocky Free, I believe it yep. was, yeah, three. Um, and the reason for this, obviously Hogan he really dabbled in Hollywood and tried to get his acting career going, and it all the Hogan movies they're pretty bad, right, yeah just, come on, they're just cheap, and just yeah, not good. I just think with Hogan, he's such a well known character as himself, and he's already a character. I just think it's like impossible for him to play anything else other than Hulk Hogan himself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Arnold
1: Schwarzenegger is kind of in the same boat, but it works for him. There was just something missing with Hulk Hogan. I, I, I find, I don't really know what.
0: I'm going to actually bring this point up in my next one or actually in my number two, but yeah, Uh, but Hogan playing Thunderlips in Rocky three, this kind of like was the start of Hogan getting his massive break which led into him going to the WWF and Hulkamania and basically, you know, started everything that we have now. So I think like this specific role in the movie is like key to wrestling history. And that's why I felt like I had to put it on the list. And it's an iconic scene as well. Definitely. My number three is Kevin Nash as Tarzan in Magic Mike Double XL. Have you seen this before? he's my honorable mention okay great yeah so i think the reason why this is high up on the list it's like we just talked about how other wrestlers have gone and basically just played wrestlers he's gone and played a stripper which i assume is just like nothing like the real person Kevin nash that's quite you know a big jump from you know plus it also not only is he a wrestler but he's a seven foot he's massive. Dude. Yes. Right. And for him to be like, I could play a stripper, I think mm-hmm. is just really, really funny. You know, I was watching uh the, the scene again the other day, um, when he comes out on stage and he's performing, he's doing like a strip tease or whatever it is, and he's like got like an uh, a painter theme or an artist, and um he gives it like the the suckets, the crotch chops during mm-hmm. his dance. And I did wonder if that was in the script or if that was him. Improvising, Do you know what I mean? I thought it was kind of an interesting uh little bit there. But um, no, Kevin Nash is just the coolest, like the coolest looking dude. And I think him being able to pull off a role like this just kind of speaks a lot for Kevin Nash. And he's been, and also that the actual—is it weird that I think the Magic Mike movie is awesome as well? I really enjoy it. Yeah, do you prefer the first or the second? I, I can't, I can't really differentiate the two right now. I think there's oh, two. Stuff- okay. Oh, one I really enjoyed, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, I enjoyed the movie as well, and that that is a really, really high profile movie for Kevin. Yes,
1: it is, yeah,
0: yeah. Nash has been in a lot of other stuff. What else has Nash been in again? Uh he's been a lot- I've seen him quite a lot of times. The Punisher. Mm-hmm. He was the Russian. Oh, he was Shredder in um Turtles as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's done he's done a lot and more so I think like the last 10 years or so. So yeah, I'm, I do wonder just how it's interesting, like the whole world of Hollywood and just sort of how hard it is to break into. It's funny mm. when you go to Los Angeles and everyone you meet, whether it's your waitress or Uber driver, they're all there trying to audition for parts and movies. It's like everyone's on the hustle and it's just so hard for anyone to break into Hollywood. That's why when a wrestler, does break Hollywood it's like you know it's like wow extra special sure my number two someone that I think arguably has sort of broke Hollywood the best out of all the wrestlers I'm going for Dave Batista as Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy now you just said about Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of playing the same role pretty much throughout his whole career which I yeah I I tend to agree with, but I think there's much better examples. I know when we were at the movie theater to watch an Iron Claw, there was that trailer for I don't know, it was like a Jason <laughs> movie. like the Beekeeper or whatever it was called. I'm yeah. not, I can't remember what it was, but we, I, I think I literally said to you, I was like, it's insane how Jason Statham has literally played the same character for 20 years, and not also, only played
1: the same character but looks the same.
0: Yeah, he still looks <laughs> like, great. Even yeah.
1: yeah, no, but I mean, he doesn't like dye his hair or grow it out or even wear a wig or he's
0: literally Jason Statham. He he is, he is. (laughs) And, um, and we'll watch it. Right. And well, yeah, but like also the rock as well. I feel like he plays the exact same character in every movie. There's not like a whole lot of depth there, but with Batista, I feel like he really had to come out of his comfort zone for this movie. And I feel like he's played different characters in different movies. And obviously Guardians of the Galaxy massive massive movie he was like one of the highlights of guardians of the galaxy for me he brought that kind of comedic element and it was you know i thought really cool to see that of someone that's such a an intimidating looking wrestler and you know what's yeah. funny apparently dave batista said that before guardians of the galaxy he was broke and this kind of got him back into it and i was like how did he get so broke after yeah. his massive wrestling run i don't know if he had divorces or what but maybe just i don't think he's very good at looking after his money apparently or at least wasn't but i guess guardian saved his ass i think i heard that i hope that i haven't misremembered this yeah so edit this out if that's not the case (laughs) Uh, but yeah go on sorry about
1: his like he seems to have quite good range as an actor actually Mm -hmm. when i was asking friends like oh we're doing um wrestler performances and movies that a couple of people asked if i've seen Batista in Knock at the Cabin.
0: I've heard that's really good. I've not.
1: Yeah. Uh, Okay. No. Neither have I. Apparently, he's really good in that, and it's more like a subdued, softer role. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Maybe we should check it out.
0: Yeah. In fact, um, I keep meaning to watch this movie because I've seen. Yeah. It does look. It looks interesting, and I think he plays quite an you know an intense character. So that would be. We should. We should definitely watch that. Yeah. Yeah. And coming in at number one of course it's rowdy roddy piper has nada in they live (laughs) and i don't it's obviously a personal bias for me just because i love roddy piper but i did actually think he was he was great in this and he's kind of playing himself but himself Mm. is like a action hero movie star do you know what i mean so
1: high energy like charisma off the charts yes
0: yeah yeah. so what was funny about when i did a little research for they live that kind of famous fight scene between nada ronnie piper and frank i think his name is when they're kind of outside the dumpsters and stuff yeah apparently this in the script it was only supposed to be a 20 second fight (laughs) scene but apparently piper and the other dude for whatever reason, they just decided for like three weeks, I guess when they weren't, when they were on set and not filming, <laughs> they were practicing this fight scene and kept coming up with more and more stuff to the point where they showed the directorate or whoever. And, um, he was like, Oh, I love it. Let's keep it in. End up being like a five minute fight scene. and like every time you're watching it, when you think it's finished, it ke- like, it's, keeps going it keeps on and on. Again. Like, yeah. but not amazing. in a bad, not in a bad sense. Like, it's just like, it takes you by surprise. Like, Oh, it's still going. like Um, So, yeah, and I just, I think Piper did a a handful of movies because I know maybe it was like 91, 92, or maybe it was early. Well, obviously, They Live was 1988. Um, But there was definitely points in the WWF where he was like, yeah, I'm leaving to go to Hollywood. And I I think he probably thought he was going to be a big star in Hollywood. And why not? I mean, you know, I feel like if you, back then, you're such a big star in wrestling, you kind of assume that you could be a big star in that. And uh, like I said, Hollywood seems like a really, really, really hard thing to break. I have a, so much respect for these Hollywood actors and everything yeah. else. But yeah, I just, uh, I haven't seen this. day live for years and years and years, but I feel like I need to go watch it back because it was a fun movie as well.
1: It's so good.
0: It's yeah. fun. <laughs> oh, It's so good. I love
1: it. All right. Awesome, man. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's my turn. All right. Number five, I've got the big show in The Waterboy as Captain <laughs> Insano. Do you remember? Captain,
0: yes, of course. Yeah. yeah,
1: So this isn't the best movie in the world or the best portrayal in the world or I mean, best acting performance in the world. But when exactly like what you said about Randy Savage in Spider-Man, like what does a general audience think a wrestler is? Back in those days, of course you cast the big show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Perfect casting for that sort of character. We need a big the, the name Captain Insano, just kind of generic, over the top. The performance, the the star. You know, he's over seven feet tall. It's just like the perfect. We want to get our point across, like a very unsubtle point, as quickly as possible. We cast the Big Show. He did a really good job, so he's number
0: five. Uh, and people remember that as well. Like he, I think every now and then, Big Show, like he's busted it out on AW a couple of times. So people remember the gimmick. You know? Oh,
1: okay, that's cool. That's cool. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm number four I've got Roddy Piper and they live the movie is I'm biased because I love Roddy Piper and I love they live and I love John Carpenter movies I've got three 80s awesome 80s movies 80s wrestlers cool portrayal like my list is kind of gravitating towards that kind of style that's number that's the first one yeah because movies now suck (laughs) yeah they now suck so yeah uh, but Roddy Piper and they live. You said everything I wanted to say. He's just so charismatic. He's like a real life movie star. Anyways, of course, put him in something like that. He—it's not like he carries them like we necessarily need him. The movie's good enough on its own, but just having Roddy Piper in it is just the icing on the cake. It's amazing. I re- i love it. We should watch that. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it too. Number three, I've got Randy Savage in Spider-Man as Boneson <laughs> McGraw because. It's the same thing that we said with the big show in in the Waterboy. He's just the perfect person to cast for this is what an over-the-top insane American wrestler is. And he just did such an amazing job. And it's so iconic. It's endlessly memeable. That's my favourite
0: Spider-Man movie, by the way, I think. The first one? I prefer the second one. Well, I mean, that that series of them, though. Oh, that's it? Yes, me too. With Tobey Maguire. Uh,
1: Yes, yeah, me too, for sure. The third one? Yeah. But yeah, third one was weird, huh? Awesome, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: no, number two was my favorite one, but I meant the stats. Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. So Toby, uh, Toby Maguire, Peter Parker is trying to like, isn't he trying to impress Kirsten Dunst? But and he's like, so he needs money in his wills. He's trying to buy a car, so he just like sees this wrestling show as <laughs> yeah. like a means to like, oh well, I've got these powers now, right? So this is going to go easy. And then he's up against Bonesaw McGraw, and they just have these constant back and forths that are just amazing
0: it's funny i think like that portrayal of wrestling i think that's what a lot of people are like you know maybe part of my family but not like the, the closest like thing mm. that's what i do because you know what, yeah. like, they'll ask me questions like oh so do you get paid more if you win and stuff like that so i think they think i'm doing that basically what spider-man does with bone saw <laughs> i wish
1: wrestling was like what people i wish it was like how they portray it in spider-man right. yeah right. for sure <laughs> number two i've got surprise he's not on your list jesse ventura yeah, I did. well, there's yeah. loads of
0: guys we could... Uh, okay,
1: yeah, you're right. It's just it's I feel like for the top
0: five.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's the best movie on my list. Was it mm-hmm. the best portrayal? Kind of, in a way, actually. Just big, burly guy with mm-hmm. a moustache in the, in the 80s. Like, what more do you need? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, love, my I num- love
0: Jesse Ventura.
1: I love oh, Jesse yeah. Ventura. I love Predator. When you're a kid as well, it just like goes... I don't know. How many times did you watch Predator growing up? I can't remember now.
2: An uncountable amount. Oh, only a handful
1: oh, okay. So for me, because I watch it so much, I every kind of line of his I can like think of, I you know, and can quote, they're just in my in my brain. So he's just like he's up so high in this list because you know the movie's so good, I watch it so much, and it's just that's a nostalgia pick. Well, they all are, let's be honest, but that's yeah. the main <laughs> one for me personally. But number one, as a portrayal, I've got you're like this got terry funk in roadhouse as morgan dude oh my god so if you haven't seen roadhouse it's about a guy he was a what was he like a i can't remember his last job but he's now he's a very like spiritual and soft-spoken bouncer for like a biker bar and he becomes like the head bouncer and he the the previous bouncer is this guy called morgan played by terry funk who's just he's always drinking at the bar. He's not taking it seriously. He's always kind of starting more <laughs> fights that, that he could have uh, de-escalated. And he gets fired early on in the movie when Patrick Swayze's character, like, takes over. And then he becomes, like, a... Not the main bad guy, but a henchman for the bad guy for the rest of the movie. But why he's number one is there's these bar fights and he just can't stop guerrilla press slamming people, which is something <laughs> yeah. I've never seen Terry Funk Wright really do. But he... He tables because obviously it gets number. If someone gets tabled, then I'm I'm happy. He gorilla press slams this guy through a table, but it's not like a wrestling table. It's one of those bar tables where the the um, the base of it is in the middle and it's a circular table. And this guy just gets slammed straight on top of it, which just if you think about in real life is gross. But he also gorilla press slams another guy in the background of a. There's this bar fight. It's a long scene, and there's just chaos everywhere and if you look in the top right corner i think it's been a while since i've watched it you see uh terry funk again gorilla press slamming somebody <laughs> just throwing them on the ground and they just take it and then after he does that because there's danger all around he does that um you know where terry funk kind of he spins around in a spot in a circle like with yeah. his jukes up and if you didn't if you know who terry funk is you've never seen roadhouse he just came in on that scene you just saw like in the corner of your eye, like you know it's Terry Funk just by the that kind of manner. Right, yeah. Of course. I've also got to say he looks massive in the movie, but that's because he's how tall is he, by the way? Like six. Terry Funk's eight a pretty big guy. He's, he's, he's tall, but he's not like super tall, and he seems kind of small in wrestling. But when you put him against normal looking people, like in this movie, he's he's hench, like he's massive.
0: Well, like, no, he is a big person. He looks small in wrestling because the era, yeah, he was in. everyone, yeah. everyone yeah, was true. massive compared to, yeah. like, you know, he's one. you know, one builders, oh, 12, six, what, okay, cool. 247 pounds. Like,
1: jeez, Louise. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's a, a burly guy. Yeah. yeah. But that movie is great. And if you just want to see Terry Funk throwing people around in a bar <laughs> and causing trouble, that's, yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. The movie's great, but just watch Terry Funk in it, man. He's so good
0: absolutely well i feel like it was a great top five. i mean we could have said Someone. about um we could have said about andre the giant you know and princess uh, princess White. Bride. yep uh, there's so much stuff we could have got but obviously you know we, did, we didn't mention the most famous wrestler slash act of the rock <laughs> no john cena yeah. john but cena yeah. these are our yeah. personal favorites it, it does seem that it seems like in the last 20 years that movies have got worse but TV shows have got better. It seems like now, Yes. no, I, I kind of, yeah with, the, yeah. with These TV series and stuff that come out on the streaming services. There's been some amazing, mm. amazing ones. And it seems like now when someone genuinely wants to create something meaningful and tell an amazing story, they decide to do it in TV series form. Where, whereas they used to do it in a movie. And I feel like now with movies, it's more a case of, you know, who can we put as the lead actor where, you know, yeah. all the basic bitches will come watch and we'll make loads of money. Do you know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's, I how, right.
0: that's how it seems like to me, but like TV has got better. But yeah. The movies have got worse. I feel so. That's just my opinion.
1: I've got pretend this was, I've got a killer honorable mention that I should have done. Mm-hmm. Right. My honorable mention for best wrestling performance in a mainstream movie is the concept of pro wrestling as the fight as the in-universe fighting style in Blade 2. <laughs> yeah. Have you like in that movie when they when they fight, it's not the standard like fighting, like it's not like boxing or kickboxing. For some reason, in that movie, the in-universe fighting style is professional wrestling. And oh. they're doing brain busters, they're doing elbow drops. It, Triple H was in it, right? Triple H was in Blade Trinity, the third one. Oh, okay. Yeah. But the second one, for no for inexplicably, they just they're all doing pro wrestling and not like um how wrestling is now like you know incorporated into MMA or something like that. No, this is literally pro wrestling. Like he's doing stalling brain busters and yeah. saying quotes.
0: It's amazing. Well, it's a more visually exciting thing, you know. Like every movie, not every movie, but millions of movies have had fight scenes where it's just punching kicks. It's like so mm-hmm. wrestling is just more visually entertaining and spectacular, I guess. So That was a great shot for them. But um, yeah, that was our top five.
1: Yeah, that was really fun, wasn't it?
0: Yes, it was really fun. And you know what else is going to be really fun? Our exclusive interview Mm -hmm. with the reflection of perfection. Former WCW tag champ, former WWE superstar, He wrestled in Japan. He left America and made a really massive name for himself in Mexico, much like what the villain is doing now. Today's (laughs) guest, Mark Gindrag. So I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's go on over to the interview with Mark Gindrag. So here we are joining us at this time on the Chilling with the Villain podcast. He he is a former WWE, WCW, Triple A. CMLL, even New Japan Pro Wrestling Superstar. He is, of course, my friend, Mark Gindrak. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on the show today. No,
2: thank you. I'm I'm looking forward to chilling with the villain.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, so we actually spoke about this a little bit when we had Chris Masters on the show. Okay. Sexy Jesus? Yeah, we we had Sexy Jesus on the show. Uh, I think the I was going to say the last time I saw you, and I think also maybe the first time I met you. You saved my ass in Mexico. You saved my life, so I'm in forever in debt for you. That I'm not still
2: stuck no, in Mexico no, now. Was, <laughs> I was. That's that could happen to anyone. My Spanish helped out a little bit. That's all.
0: <laughs> are you um? Are you are you living in Knoxville still, or you? In I'm Mexico? in Knoxville,
2: Tennessee. Yeah, Knoxville, <laughs> Tennessee. Um, you know, I never thought I'd live in Tennessee at all, but uh, I took a job here, like. And always while I was wrestling, my hobby was uh, like sports cards, um, collectibles, things of that sort, like baseball, basketball, football cards. And so like when I kind of got out of wrestling, um, I just kind of dove in. And there's a there's a company here that they, we actually grade and authenticate autographs and things of that sort. So uh, I moved here. It's kind of like a passion job. And, uh, you know, so uh, it's pretty nice. Tennessee's a nice place. Nashville's close by. Knoxville, of course, is cool. It's the capital. Uh, our mayor is Kane, you know. So oh,
0: that's so funny. <laughs> you can't go wrong.
2: <laughs> our mayor is Kane. That's hilarious. Yeah, so. that,
0: I wanted. I I think I heard. I think you, last time I saw you, you told me about the grading cards. So sort of like the big famous one is PSA,
2: right? PSA is like probably the the most used. There's Beckett. Um, we're probably like number four, or number five in the in, gotcha. in grading. You know, so but we're we're like a brand new company, so we're yeah. kind of a niche. You know, our, what we can do is like. Like PSA is very like a uh, plain label. It's, it's more for buy and resale and stuff like that. The The old timers, right. like it. The, the old heads, like it, you know, and it's good resale. We're, we're more like uh, we think outside the box. Our labels, we have custom labels, color labels, things of that sort. So it's more for, uh, you know, a different, uh, you know, like not really from my generation, but the, the newer generation. They, right. you know, they don't care so much about the grade, they care about what the, the the whole setup looks like so that's kind of what we do we put our touch on collectibles so it's a cool job
0: yeah i mean i find it fascinating because it seems like it seems like during the pandemic nobody had anything to do so everyone just started collecting stuff like i've got many friends that run businesses and during them i was like oh how's business they're like oh it's going great because everyone's bored they're just buying so much stuff and yeah i think they did that with it definitely happened with. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with like wrestling figures. I've got some like classic wrestling figures. Oh they yeah. all, they all yep. shot up. And funny enough, a lot of people now get those PSA graded or whatever it might be. But the sports cards and especially like people's rookies cards just started going crazy. Oh right? yeah,
2: yeah, it was it was it was an explosion. And like, uh, you know, like it was a point in time where like Target and Walmart like. People there's 20, 30, 40 people waiting for the uh, the stocker to st- stock the the shelves and things of that sort. So right. it was it was tough. It was real tough. It was a lot of newbies in the, the the hobby. And then all the old heads like me dug up all their cards in mom's attic and stuff. And, right. You know, and now like that, that whole bubble has burst, the market's gone down. It's, oh, really? It's leveled out, you know, and then, you know. The left, left are the diehards like myself. So right. I'm cool with it. I I love it. Like I'm here at my desk. I just you know got just cards upon cards. Like I I do it all day. I just love. I have a little eBay store. Um, Mark to cards. Check me out on eBay. I got you know. Oh you, Oh wow. <laughs> I got over like 2,500 listings. I, I do it in my free time. Just, Damn. just Just different players. You know, from Michael Jordan to LeBron James to Tom Brady. You know all the. Everybody. Um, That's
0: so, like, me and Sam, we're both, well, Sam especially, but we're both, you know, in the stock market. Would you consider it kind of like, it's similar to that,
2: right? Really? So you guys are in the stock market. That's that's awesome. Mm. I, I, I'm i so intrigued by that. Like, I have to pick your brain, up, you know, off air and stuff.
0: Sam's your guy. I I put money in and then lose it and hope it goes up someday. But Sam's your guy for that, yeah.
2: <laughs> I am just, just, just intrigued about that, yeah. But so. it seems
0: like you're already kind of in it, just in a different form. Yeah,
2: cars yeah. are kind of like that. You you, you kind of – my brother actually. I have a brother. Uh, ironically, he's less than a uh, year younger than me. So he's, we're 11 months apart. Uh, while I was out wrestling and stuff for the last 20 years, uh, he was an engineer, so he made some pretty good money. Uh, he got into the buying heavy big cards, like big, big cards. So, like, right now, like, in 2009, when there was that recession and stuff here, he went on eBay, and he was buying cards on the low. Like, and mm. now he's got, like, probably about 20 cards in this in a vault. It's called a, a PWCC vault, and it's, like, in Oregon. And uh 20 of his cards value over like two point four million dollars or something. Jeez. Like, he's got like like there's a, a messy rookie, PSA ten, messy rookie. Uh there's only wow. twenty-one tens in the world, and he has two of them, two out of the ten of uh, twenty-one. So so I think they go for about two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars each, you know. So
0: dude, I that's just mind blowing, yeah. isn't it? It's funny, <laughs> it's funny. So I'm a big um Football fan, or what you guys, I guess, would call soccer. And um, I did that
2: last. though. So it's football. Football right? is life.
0: You're football, football, Mexico, yeah. Um, mm. But we, we live in Florida, and I remember there was rumors of Messi, you know, coming to Miami. And I was looking at tickets, and they were like fifteen dollars. And then they finally, and I didn't buy any tickets. Then they finally announced Messi is joining Miami, and now tickets are like five hundred dollars. So. Yeah, can
2: you imagine? <laughs> you bought the whole. Right. For, his, for his first game, he bought the whole section.
0: I should have done. Jeez, absolutely. <laughs> but um, Sam, you have a yep. question that you were running by me. and I didn't actually know this, but Sam's got a question he's been dying to ask you.
1: Oh, this is going to sound like a non sequitur, but I have to know, so I've just got to get it out. So there's a claim online that you have or had the highest vertical in WWE history. Now, yeah. I yeah. couldn't find any kind of real... What's the legitimacy to that with 43 inches? First of all, um, this is
2: two-parter. Well, uh, I guess it was never formally, formally. Like, I don't know where they got. Like, I think somewhere in the the time I played basketball, something yeah. was recorded. Um, but I always used to, when I was in WWE, I used, I used my WWE TV time. Most guys are getting on the shows. They want to be champions and stuff. I used to love all the extras that came with being on TV. Like, I would get myself in celebrity basketball games and stuff and like uh I've really shot like like I don't know like I do 360 dunks I, I used to like you know I'm 46 years old now so you <laughs> no, know yeah. 10 years, 10 years ago like I was doing 360 dunks with like I I could t- one time and this is a true story one time in the Staples Center um me and Orton were walking around the back and uh if you ever saw the documentary, we're, we're idiots together. You know, we're always coming up with crazy shit. And uh, Shane McMahon came around the corner and I was like, man, I bet you I could touch that thing on the ceiling. And, and Shane McMahon's like, no, you can't. Or like, no, you can't. I said, I bet you I can. And at that time, like the whole, like writing department wrestlers started gathering around, Vince came around the corner. So it was like literally 30 people watching me. And I actually jumped up and my second time I, I touched this metal thing on the ceiling of the Staples Center, so everybody was in awe. So Shane McMahon went to get a tape measure and he he measured it and it was twelve feet two inches. So
0: <laughs> jeez,
2: and like like I could I could touch my armpit in the basketball rim and stuff. So I mean I'm six six, but the forty right around forty inches is is you know um, probably legit at, at my peak, you know. So yeah.
1: So, Montez Ford of the Street Profits says that he's got the highest vertical at, but he just says over 40. And I mean, he doesn't mean frog splash, right? So, there's some, you know, I, I kind of believe it, but there's two kind of camps here. It's like, is it Mark or is it Montez Ford? And I was just, I saying, I but we can actually find this out definitively because what did you say Shane said the measurement was? Because we just subtract your height it 12 from, feet, you 12, your feet, height two, it. 12 feet, two inches.
0: Okay. 12 feet, and, two inches. And so. you're
2: six
0: foot five.
2: Six six, six. Yeah, yeah six, 6'5, six, six.
0: So here's a question. Sam mentioned Montez Ford. Do you, Mark, do you know who that is? Do you um keep I've up I've heard wrestling? his name. No yeah. respect,
2: disrespect to him. I I've sure. heard his name. Um, and you know, when when guys do like athletic crazy stuff, like um they usually put it in my timeline on on X or whatever. Because I've I've always been like a defender of my dropkick, you know, uh for <laughs> sure. When I see stuff like, you know, I see these polls by WWE who had the greatest dropkick ever, you know, and they got like jumping Jim Brumzell and Kurt (laughs) Henning, and no disrespect to them, but like Kurt Henning had a cool dropkick because it was part of his character, but the dropkick itself is like, it's like three feet off the ground, you know, like, yeah. So, so so I've heard the guy's name, like, I, 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 i've heard he's real athletic and stuff you know there's yeah. there's a lot of athletic guys and i still watch product i, I watch aew here and there um i watch you, from time to time but
0: what do, what do you think of AW? Have you got anyone there that you like or any opinion on the product at all
2: um it's kind of it's kind of cool like um i like those guys out of uh mexico like penta um hmm. and see the guy who the guy who manages penta the guy on TV, Alex, the hype man—I think he's called. Yeah. Um, I have a long history with him. Like we used to have this Lucha Libre USA deal, and uh, it was myself, the owner, and this guy Alex. He was actually like our head writer for Lucha Libre USA. And it, oh, I never which, knew that. Yeah. So that's kind of like the long history and stuff. So and actually, uh, Penta—I think he's on the card for I'm um, wrestling in February on, on with Robley's promotions in Mexico, and I think in Monterey, uh, myself, Jorlistico. And um Penta are going to be in a three way match. So oh, that's really cool. Well, I, yeah. I, I, I want you to talk ask you, but sorry, yeah. go on. no, no. I was like talk about talk about throwing me in the fire. I haven't wrestled like <laughs> times in five years. And I look on the card, and I'm in a three way match with two two arguably the best high flyers in the game today. You know, so
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I wanted to ask you that because when I I saw you, I want to say about a year ago or so, and you were doing your first matches in, I think it was four years. And since yeah. then, I think you've only, if you only wrestled once or twice since then, maybe, or
2: no, none, not since, at all? Since, I, since I saw you, I have not wrestled again.
0: So what's going on. Are you just getting the wrestling bug or is it, you know, it, it's, uh,
2: I, I recently changed my, um, supplementation like crazy. Like I, I'm, I'm big into supplements and stuff, but I never thought about it from a deficiency standpoint, you know? Mm-hmm. So I heard this Joe Rogan, um, podcast with Gary a guy named Gary Brecka. He's like a human biologist. He's all over he's probably your social media viral social media guy for like, you know, biology stuff. And like I just went you know, I listened to that probably two or three times, took notes. I changed all my like you know, I learned about gene mutations and stuff. Like and I started not only supplementing for things, but I started supplementing for deficiencies as well. Or possible deficiencies, you know, like um and since I started doing that, like, I feel really, really wonderful. You know, it's, it's crazy. Um, it was baffling. Like, about six months ago, my blood pressure was, like, 130 over 75 or 130 over 80. And I was like, you know what? It was always, my whole entire life, it was a 120 over 80, always. So, it just prompted me to just switch things up. And lo and behold, I actually had a physical the other day, and my blood pressure was 118 over 68. So, she was like, wow, that's great. And I was like, "Yeah." yeah. And it's all from like you know I'm I'm heavy on like <clears throat> the vitamin B B12 um, I'm all in the methylated vitamins you know like um, omegas and stuff like that so I'm just really trying to you know I wrestle a, a lot of people say I brother brother I've been in the business 20 years you know but they had like 17 matches you know right <laughs> like I from from the time like from the time I've like 19 20 years old like I was pretty much getting on TV and WCW and it was straight through, you know, it was straight through to like from WCW to WWE over to Japan then Mexico and Japan. Then my body right now at age 46, you know, I still, I walk around, I see guys that I look better still most 25 years old in the gym, you know, and, and my conditioning's is real good and stuff. But like, you know, I really started attacking the inside, you know, like really, um, kind of like combating the physical harm i've done to my body over the years
0: right yeah Want
2: combat that with like you know nutritional and internal you know so to be honest like when i stopped wrestling it wasn't really because of anything it was just like i kind of got burnt out i never had a break you know i never had a break never had a weekend off never had a you know in in, in mexico i was wrestling like when i was like talk about lebron everyone's on LeBron shift being 38 and doing, I wrestled 270 matches in Mexico at age 38. You know what I'm saying? Like right. uh, it was, you know, and, and uh it just wears on you, you know? So yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm I, I, but when I stopped, I thought, you know what? Like when I stop, everything's going to heal up. It was just the opposite. It's like, right. you, I was going to ask when you when that. You, stop, yeah. you die. When you stop, you literally die. Your body, you know, you, you see those like, um, evolution pictures the monkey turning into yeah. a human being like it was like it, <laughs> it literally when you stop your body starts curling up you know like i i constantly have to stretch out and open myself up and stuff because it, it's just and i found that when i have something to train for when i have something to shoot for like these matches i'm doing um and i'm also possibly going to work in the states for the first time in a long time um it's gonna i'm I, I, it may be somewhere in north carolina uh oh, cool. possibly could be working Chavo Guerrero. So
0: Oh, amazing.
2: Awesome. So stay tuned on my social media for that.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know, there's been like, I feel like in wrestling now, what's really popular is there's been like a resurgence of guys from your sort of era, you know? Like we were just talking yeah. about, we had Chris Marshall on the show and we've had Santino on the show. And I kind of feel yeah. like that era that you were in, say, uh, specifically WWE, that kind of like ruthless aggression era, now yeah. that's very nostalgic for the audience, if that makes sense. So there's kind yeah. of like, there's kind of like, um, there's an appetite for it again. Now I feel,
2: yeah, definitely. And and and, I kind of had the best of both worlds, you know. Like, I can, uh, when I'm north of the border, I'm Mark Gendrak, I'm the right. reflection of Mark Gendrak, <laughs> south of the border, I'm Marco Corleone, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, that you, you um, you've definitely got it good. So it's like, uh, you know, uh, I just, um, uh, I'm enjoying it because, like, I. Like, I do realize that, you know what, like, you just kind of wake up and realize, like, I, I have, I'm a kid at heart, you know, like, you, we kind of hung on a little bit. I'm always goofing off and being a, you know, you know, that's how I am, young, you know. Sure. So, in my mind, the way I act and, like, from the clothes I wear, you know, walk around, like, the other 46-year-olds are, aren't kind of conducting themselves like that. And I'm fine with that. I'm cool with it, you know. Um, but I just want to, you know, I, I I don't want to, in, in my mind I'm young, but like, I have to remember I'm 46 years old. So, you know, I, I, I'm coming back with like not limitations, but in my head, like I need to, and it's kind of exciting. I need to work, wrestle a different style. You know, like I can't, I don't have that 40 inch vertical anymore. You know, like yeah, I can barely dunk a basketball, you know, and it, it sucks, you know, because <laughs> 10 years ago I was doing 360 windmills, you know, and, um, so, so, like, I, I look forward to, like, when I'm going to get my work in the gyms and stuff uh, leading up to the matches, I'm looking forward to, you know, working smarter, you know, working the people. Um, and it's going to be fun working in America because I haven't worked in America in so long, you know. and Right. Um, and then on the flip side, in Mexico, like, um, arguably, I had a, a bigger, when I in my heyday there, like I, I was probably more popular outside of the ring than I was in the ring, you know, so, so I'm kind of a novelty there at the same time, you know? Yeah. Like,
0: when I was in Mexico with you, people kept stopping you asking for photos and they kept saying that catchphrase to you from the soap.
2: Picadillo. One. Picadillo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was uh, like,
0: wow, I, was, I thought that was pretty, that was really fascinating for me to watch. It was,
2: it was like a, it was like the number one show in, in all of Mexico. Like, and like before streaming came along, like this is like maybe 2010 before streaming came along, like literally the only place you could see it was on free open television in mexico you know so Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't have cable television you know they have that that normal local channel which is televisa and these ratings they were doing you know like um like ratings literally ratings like 32 you know 32 you know people back in the day when raw would do like an eight you know people (laughs) yeah that's like crazy we're doing like a 32 with like a fifty-six percent share, like it was like that's ridiculous. insane. <laughs> that is crazy. And then you know the crazy thing about it too was like, and I was probably more proud of this is like after they are hit the hit shows pass on Televisa, they go over to Univision in the United States and they play yes. on prime prime time Univision. Yeah. So, I used to get the the ratings from Variety Variety like newsletter or whatever that month, and uh, the, the ratings every night for network television you know big fox abc nbc cbs univision was part of that and every night like literally the 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 soap opera episodes where i was like starring in i look at the ratings and we were like number four in america you know like it was like the major league baseball all-star game like some kind of reality cooking show like the view or something or i mean the yeah. the uh the the, the ju- were they judge, or whatever the voice, the voice, the voice, the voice yeah, yeah. And then, and then our uh, Porcala Mormanda was like number four in the nation, you know. And like number That's six crazy. was like Modern Family, number wow, eight yeah. was like Two and a Half, uh, Two and a Half manner, you know. So it was, it was kind of like that was kind of cool, like. And they did, you know, I got a lot of accolades in 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 uh, Latin America for my part, you know. So yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. It was, it was, it was cool. It had an. And the reason why that saying "Picadillo" hit because it was like, like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the '90s here, "I'll be back, hasta la vista, baby." That's how my accent kind of sounded in Spanish. So when I right. said that threat, that taunt, people asked their "Picadillo." People lost it; like they they thought it was the funniest <laughs> thing ever. And I didn't. I wasn't trying to be funny. I was <laughs> trying to get my line out correct, you know.
1: So <clears throat> how did so how did wrestling, particularly WWE, kind of prepare you for? the telenovelas because WWE is a solid popper too, right?
2: You know, to be honest, it didn't, it didn't prepare me at all. And, and, and to really? be honest, I, I dropped the ball. Like if, if when I, when these novellas was going on, were going on. And, and like when Mexico, like when I was in CMLL early, yeah. the early years, like 2007, 2008, if you put that Mark Jindrak back in WWE, I think, I really think that I could have had a really, really good run there. You know, and a mature Mark Jenjak, but when I was there, like mm. I didn't get, gi- I didn't give a shit about wrestling. Like to be honest with you, like I was, I'd be bummed out. Like ah fuck, I got like I got three house shows to do, and then Raw. Like and there's a sweet party going on or something in Atlanta, and I wanted to go to a party. Or you know, like, it, was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. But like at the same time, I was six six, you know, like genetically, like I was 255 pounds, probably like six percent body fat. Had that vertical leap, like yeah there weren't athletes like that really, you know, and, and uh, to be honest, I just rested a lot on my uh, uh, just God-given abilities there. I, I, yeah. I took WrestleMania weeks as like, like vacation to hang out with everybody and stuff, you know, like it was, um, I just didn't take it seriously, you know? So, so what happened, but that, that's how it prepared me because when I went, when I got released in 2005, I was like, I didn't think they'd ever release me, you know, and and it wasn't anything against me. It was just like the way WWE works is after WrestleMania, that quarter right after WrestleMania, they cut, they cut stuff, you know, and, and be, before the um, pandemic cutting, that was, I was involved in the largest WWE cut ever. You know, it was like the Dudleys got caught in that, you know, the Hall of Famers, you know, so it's like. It's dusting. a
0: conveyor belt. People get fired all the, like every year, right? Yeah.
2: And in fact, like six months, seven months later, I was still really, really tight with Randy Orton and uh, Rey Mysterio. and just so happened they were doing a show and like it was like a Raw and SmackDown show and like, like Augusta, Georgia or something, Georgia. So they came in, flew to Atlanta, and I drove them to the arena and just hung out, you know, backstage. It just so happened that day, Booker T came to Raw and would talk to Vince McMahon as soon as he was, Booker T was starting that um Houston Championship Wrestling, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And he was like, we let go of some guys that we could have probably made in the stars. Like I think he named like uh he named me, he named Charlie Haas and maybe I think Mordecai. Um but he named me. And just so happens I was there that afternoon and Vince McMahon basically hired me back on the spot. He was like Oh, you know man. i uh you know appreciate what you've been doing in mexico and i've heard you been in japan but uh i think you so you can make some money here and i was like he told me to give uh johnny laranitis johnny ace a call and he told me to call uh, go to deep south wrestling which was run by hugh morris and to be honest like hugh morris and me weren't the best of friends in wcw i thought he i i thought he was always a martyr you know like being a martyr overselling shit like I don't know, we just had heat, and and he didn't like me, I didn't like him, and like, when I got to Deep South, I felt like he was just kind of fucking sticking it to me, you know, like, and at that time, I was kind of getting over in Mexico, this was like the early, I was flip-flopping, Japan was kind of, I like Japan stuff, but like, uh, it was just, man, I, I was still in that mode of like, having fun and stuff, and like, you know, you've been on those three four week tours of japan like those things get long and yeah it's serious stuff and you know you're 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 flipped upside down like it's 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 four in the morning you just wake up for no reason or it's like three in the afternoon you just you'll zonk out like somebody talking to you you'll just fucking fall asleep and it was like it was messed up like the the language it was really really tough and i just like And like I said, I didn't like wrestling that much. To be honest, I didn't like it that much. You gotta
0: love wrestling to do that. Plus, as well, like the Mm -hmm. times you went to Japan, obviously, like the mid two thousands. All the times I went to Japan was kind of like two thousand fifteen onwards. So I had my phone, my internet, my laptop. You guys back then probably a little bit different, huh?
2: Yeah, about yeah, about two thousand six ish. Yeah, Um, yeah, and then and then, but then I went to Mexico, and I'm like, okay, well, this is from Atlanta. It was a two hour and forty five minute flight. That's a plus. Um, one, they're in Central Time. Um, the language, is, uh, if you break it down, there's a lot of language, there's a lot of words in Spanish and English that are exactly the same, just pronounced differently. Um, they just were, at that time, they were just. it was a hotter wrestling bed. Mexico, 2006. Mystico was the, Mystico, Pedro Aguayo, Dr. Wagner, uh, uh, La Parca, uh, Dos Caras, Alberto Del Rio, Um and then I come on the board there a guy named Alex Kozlov I don't know uh Yeah I know um Rocky was there Rocky Romero so it was just like we were having a great time and you know and and uh it was so, so it was like the decision was easy so I went to I went to Mexico it was still fun there you know and like I said like it just worked my style worked there you know because I like jumping around and doing all these fancy stuff but I wasn't your chain wrestler per se or you know, I wasn't gonna show you anything, you know, on the mat, you know, but like I was like leapfrogging three people and you know, drop kicking people, like having somebody hold up another guy eight feet in the air and drop kick him in the face. You know, that was stuff like I was starting to get over just on jumping and then they had that ramp and I would use that ramp as my right. runway and literally yeah. like it got over. When I when I I started noticing that I was getting over and I was a I was a Rudo, a heel. And um it was just, man, it was an easy decision. I was like, you know what? I see money here. Um, because while they're looking at Mystico, every Friday night, twelve thousand, thirteen thousand, fourteen thousand people and hot. And guess who his partner was? Me. You know, like I was usually his partner and I was the third. But guess what? If you're looking at Mystico, you're also gonna see me. Right. Who at that time, like I said, like it just I, I kind of hit just like Vampiro hit in the nineties. You know, there's right. you know, so
0: it was really it was a- interesting at the time, just like 'Cause you know, I'd seen you in WCW and then seen you in WWE, and then just like a few years later, like hearing these rumblings like, Oh, Mark Jean Drags like a really big star in Mexico now. And I was like, Really? That's that seems random. It was, it was weird.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was random. It was it was really, really random. But uh but truth be told, like, uh my end towards the end of WWE, like my best friends uh and travel partners were were Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. Like I was on SmackDown with them and it was right before, I got released right before their feud kind of started, you know. Yeah. So um, wait, wait, I just when had they... a really, I just had a really, really close tie to the Mexican culture for some reason, you know, like, and uh, drawn to it. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, your, so your
0: wife's Mexican as well, right?
2: Yeah. Yep. Uh, I met her. She's from Guadal- a place called Guadalajara. I met her um, in 2014. Um, you know, we have a child, he's seven years old. Uh, Um, You know, we're obviously here in America, right? And she, uh, you know, she's adapted. She likes it. Her English is pretty good. Um, You know, but, uh, you know, we have close ties to Mexico always, you know.
0: Of course. I was going to say, so you'd already, like, you'd been in WCW. You were WCW Tag Team Champion. Then you did WWE. You'd you'd already done, like, a WrestleMania and a, a bunch of other stuff. So I guess when they asked you, like, hey, we want you to go to Deep South, I assume you saw that as, like, a... A step
2: well, down, right? No not really, because at that time, you know, there was some pretty good stars and name like M V P was a rookie there, you know, like mm-hmm. young MVP. Um it's just like I just kept going, you know, like I, I kept weighing it out. Like I the the thing I hated the most I, I didn't I, I look back and I didn't hate it now that I look back, like the OVW and stuff, you know, it was but like it sucked like The first few years of my career, it went from we're in the power plant and then they think, you know what, WCW's kinda dying, so let's throw these young guys, these athletic dudes on TV. They're green, but let's see if we can, you know, start a fire before and eventually went under. But WWE, we were on TV enough in WCW to where and not paid those big salaries like the big guys were making. Where WWE bought WCW and they're like you know, Sean O'Hare come with me, Mark Jindrak, come with me, Palumbo come with me. Right there, you got three guys six foot six and all 255 and up, you know, athletic, still real young and stuff. Uh Stasiak, you know, another one. Um, so like early on, like, you know, we got a, a chance right away just you know, just to go over to WWE. When
0: when um when did you find out WCW was going under and like what was your reaction and how long in between that and when did you realize that? WWE were going to pick you up. Can you remember all that? Or?
2: I just I remember when the the crowd started going down more and more and more and more. Like I luckily, like I got really lucky when I decided to take the wrestling journey um, and I went to the Power Plant. I started training at the Power Plant. You know, three four months. You know, bump learn how to bump and do all that stuff. And one day, like Terry Taylor came down to the Power Plant and he was like, um, he looks around, and he points to me, he points to Mike Sanders. He points to Alan Funk. Um, he's like, "You guys want to, you guys want to do uh, TV security at, at uh, Nitro and Thunder?" And I was like, "Yeah," and we have got to go on the road. Like early on, I get to go on the road to every Nitro and every oh, Thunder, wow. and it was awesome. So, and we got paid too, like three hundred bucks a a gig. Like so, it was. I was and then I'd come home and train. I'd come back to Atlanta and train for three days a week. But like, I'd learn immensely on on the road. Just Picking everyone's brain and the great thing about WCW was All the me I grew up on the WWF like at that, that WrestleMania 3 era. right around the room there the my favorite wrestlers are Ravishing Rick Rude mr. Perfect or Henning uh, million-dollar man um, so when I at that time in WCW when I go on the road at the bars down downstairs at the hotel and stuff like i'd get to drink and hang out with mr perfect rick rude um, um i get to hang out with um who was it like kevin nash and scott hall like i, I like it, it was like a fast track like i make the decision to drop out of school become a wrestler and then it was almost like validation because i do stuff on tv security Uh, My friends would be watching at home, they'd see me walking behind Eric Bischoff or something. (laughs) You'd see me like, "I saw Mark," you know, like they're like, "Oh yeah," they're bringing him along, you know. They've got a plan for him, so it just made like quickly validation, you know. So um, you know, and then uh, so the power, but the power plant was was just it was kind of fun. It, It was like almost like, and when they threw us all on TV in WCW, it was almost like the first day of school with all your friends. You know, like
0: right, we, were,
2: we didn't have any of those pressures, and probably like on the flip side, we probably got heat or had right. like gave zero fucks. You know, like <laughs> gave zero fucks, like we zero. What did um, you
0: uh with, with Vince Russo was the booker at the time, right? So he would have been the one to bring you on. Well, yeah. Did you did you have a relationship with Russo? And if you did, like, what was that
2: like? He just he just liked the uh, like those guys to be. He, he when when he was kind of taken over, he. He'd come in the power plant when, you know, the offices were, when the, the new power plant, when they, when we said they started paying us, were in the headquarters where, um, the WCW, like, offices were as well. Right. And, um, you know, so he'd come in and check, you know, when he was doing business or something there or whatever in the office, he'd come and check out the talent and stuff. So he just liked us. He liked our vibe. You know, he came in and it, they, they, we became the Natural Born Thrillers. That's what the, we became. So it was like a... Uh, you know, it was a youthful like movement, kind of. You know, and and that's literally what it was. And um, you know, a lot of people say, uh, like, they got their, you know, uh, opinion about him and stuff. But like, I've always stayed neutral because he gave me my opportunity. You know, so
0: sure, I've always another it, fu-
2: another fun story too. Like, um, as I'm on the subject, because because the offices were right, where we trained as well. Um One afternoon, there was uh, one after myself and Sean O'Hare were were training in the power plant. Just nobody, uh, nobody was there. It was like after hours, and lo and behold, in comes um Gene Simmons and his son. And Gene Simmons was there inking the deal for that demon character. Oh Animal yeah! W. So he just want he wanted to see some wrestling. He's like, I want to see some wrestling. So. The office people took to see if anyone was in there, and Sean and I were wrestling. So we did like a little five or six minute <laughs> exhibition for Gene Simmons and his son. <laughs> That's so it was pretty funny. crazy. So,
0: so fun. And this is all when you were like in your very early 20s as well, right? Um, right.
2: Yep. It was, uh, I got, I was probably about, about 21 years old, I think. I, I signed the contract, my first, I signed my contract um, April 7th, uh, 1999. So wow. at that time I was, um, Still, I was twenty-one years old, and my and I actually got my first Nitro. We did like the Saturday night, uh, Saturday night wrestling and stuff, or whatever it was. WCW Saturday Night, or whatever. But my our, my first Nitro was uh, my twenty-third birthday. So, wow,
0: it's so it's so young. Have you yeah. seen? I I I think I meant to send it to you. Have you seen that meme? And it says something like. You don't know pop music if you can't name this boy band and it's a picture of the natural Born thrillers. Have you seen that?
2: No, I have with not. Your,
0: with your top off. Yeah, it was going around kind of viral, um, at least wrestling viral. Yeah, it's just a picture of like all you natural born <laughs> thrillers with your tops off, and it's like pretending you're a boy band. It's pretty <laughs> funny. Did um here's a question. So when you say so the natural born thrillers, did they kind of give you like any creative pitch for how it was going to be? Or was it literally just a case of your young guys, you're arrogant, you're athletes? Go be
2: you they they just had like yeah kind of like that and uh you know we it, it was just like we were green all of us were green you know so we just kind of did what they told us to do to the best of our ability and right. there was a point in time like towards the end like we were literally like we'd be on like six different segments you You're know right. so and uh so they used to the call us like the natural born rating killers. I know that was a, a, top, a top, the rating killers. And I was like, you know what? Like I was glad we got our chance. And and yeah. um, it was like because the WCW was was on its way down. It had its peak, and, and it just the the business model wasn't wasn't set up like you were kind of paying guys more that were producing less. You know?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's there was a, a point in time where like. You get you get away with the gaga and the oh my god the star factor like oh, this is amazing the factions and stuff, you know, were like oh, the, you know, and It's at some point in time the guys were getting paid a, You know a few million bucks and just sitting at home not even come to TV, you know guaranteed contracts and stuff and It just doesn't you know when the ratings were going down it was just like they're bleeding money, you know. So
0: right, it's no wonder really that it went out of business. We, yeah. we, when they did, when we, we saw
2: the we saw the writing on the wall. I mean, like we weren't the. So I would do that TV security and stuff, and I remember the crowd still being. I remember looking around the crowd and stuff, and going, "Wow, this is this this crowds are hot," you know. And right. then, and then when we got on, it was still they're still hot, and then but just like it was downhill. Then they then they started doing. Two shows in the same show, like Nitro yeah. and Thunder, taped it together, and it was just like, God, it was like overkill. It was horrible, um, and that was that was like the be in the end, pretty much, you know. And, right. But I, but I wasn't like, like I said, I was still I was still green, too green to know if it was good or bad. Right. But but <laughs> confident enough like I think you know like if you're a company that's gonna rip any talent from. Like, I figured it was going to be me and my crew because we're all young. We got that – at that time, WW, WWF had that look, you know the, what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's yeah. still – like, they weren't they weren't giving the belt to Eddie Guerrero or Rey Mysterio or guys like uh, Chris Benoit yet, you know? Like, it was still kind of like the land of the Giants. You know, even the rings were – they're kind of built for the tall taller guys, you know? And, and uh, so it was – our look was your traditional type, you know, right. cookie cutter WWE guy, you know. So, so.
0: Were you were you um like on oh, two part question? So obviously were you like excited obviously when you got the call from the WWE or they I guess they just told you that they were carrying your contract over? And um of course like the first thing you do in WWE is the whole alliance storyline. Um, yeah. What did you make of all that? Obviously, I I think you were in the—is it the opener or at least one of the first matches on the Invasion pay-per-view? Working with APA, how was all that? Just going straight into the. That was um,
2: that was Palumbo and O'Hare. Oh, sorry, my bad. I worked. I was I was fortunate enough to work guys like more like um, um, who did I wrestle a lot? Jerry Lynn, like he was really easy. but you were a part
0: of the alliance. I definitely remember that much, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. But but like I said, like I, my my greenness. We're all, we you know, we're all green in WCW, mm-hmm. and and a lot, a lot of the older veterans weren't pumping out a decent product either. So it was like, you know, would you rather see a shitty product with a shitty work, uh, with, but athletic, rather than guys that don't do anything and shitty? You know, so right. It just. Um, but when we got to WWE, a lot of us got exposed, you know, like we 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 had to go back to we went to OVW and and that's why I felt like, you know, we really learned how to work and stuff. You know, like, you know, to put on those to put on those TV type matches, right. um, you know, really work a hold rather than just hitting a hold. Uh, um, working cameras. uh Things of that sort. But you know, like I was still immature, but I was maturing in one like that was like a wrestling factory at the time. You know, that was when Cena, Batista, Orton, you know, all those guys were there. Shelton Benjamin, Charlie Haas. It was packed with like 25 people that were going to be on TV the next like 15 years of wrestling, you know. So, um,
0: did you have to move to
2: Louisville? I did. I moved to Louisville. I still had a house in Atlanta. That kind of sucked. Um, because I, you know, you want to be home. Like you dream of just, you know, being at home. You know. Right. Because I was still living out of the hotel. It's not like I couldn't go and let me get an apartment. So I have a home and an apartment, and I was, you know, so I stayed in one of those like hotels the uh, week to week. You know the. Oh geez. Had a little, had a little kitchen and stuff. You know, which which I, honestly I like. I like I like I like small. Like I like hotel rooms. I don't know why. I just <laughs> I feel comfortable in them. You know. Really. Yeah, I enjoy it. I I don't know. I sleep well on them. It's weird, Um, (laughs) but like, yeah. um, But it was, it was, you
0: know. You liked IWW then?
2: Yeah, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind. Looking back on it, I didn't mind. it. I made friends. You know, like it it was a chance to reset and almost like arrive again. You know, like I'd already arrived in WCW and then kind of disappeared for a while, and then then I got back on TV and WWE and and. You know, it it definitely, just when people want to, the same people that cheer for you, you know, from your hometown and stuff, that when you get on, the same people that kind of, then you're off for a second, like, yeah, I knew he wouldn't last, you know, or, (laughs) and then you're back, you know? Oh, I know that, yeah. You know, (laughs) so it was like, it it was, um, but still, like, to be honest with you, I, I, I didn't love the business, and that, you know, if you want to use this for a segue, that's kind of where I went wrong in WWE. You know, like I arguably had a million dollar, multi million dollar opportunity with being an evolution. I was
0: going to um, say, it seems like you should have made millions of dollars in the wrestling industry. I mean, I'm sure you made some pretty decent money, but I guess I always say with wrestling, you you've got to kind of love it to really be successful. I feel right. Absolutely, no, you're absolutely, absolutely your right.
2: Thing. And I, you know, it, wasn't, it just wasn't like I said. Like I, I, my dream was like NBA, like. Yeah. um, you know, you watch these American sports, like here in America, like here in America, it's not, you don't. you know, it's a, it's like a novelty, like, you know, it's a, it's very, it's a niche. And if you're not part of that small group, like, you, you know, that's what I kind of liked about Mexico, Mexico, like you read the results in the newspaper the next day, like they, they covered right. like sports, you know? So, um, but like I said, like I, I originally became a wrestler because. Athletically speaking, I was an athlete. I was I really was a really, really, you know, I could run fast, I could jump high, I was had good endurance and all that stuff. And, and I just felt like I'd be wasting God's gifts by being a working a nine to five somewhere or working construction or doing something like a reading an electrician, nothing until was but like I felt like I was to be an athlete, you know? Absolutely to have the, to have the greatest dropkick of all time. <laughs> <laughs> i have got oh.
0: Go on, Sam, sorry. You, you just talked
1: about your kind of like God-given attributes, okay? Like a big, tall, strong, yet agile guy, right? I've got to ask this because this has bothered me for about 19 years. And now I've got the opportunity to ask. Do you feel like they did you dirty on the on Day of Reckoning? You know, the video game they gave you a fifty-four in the attributes, and that.
2: <laughs> well, world you my know, like I, like I, years. I, I, know, like Stacy Keebler had, I think, a str- I way think she, strong. I think, yeah. Around.
0: Hang on, Stacy oh. Keebler had more.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> yeah. I was, they made me fucking weak. It's like
1: greatest injustice in video game wrestling history, in my opinion. And now I've got the chance to actually bring it up.
2: But, but. Um, you know w- WWE, um, they 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 give everyone the same percentage um, royalties and stuff. So you know um, whether it had like 50 power or 99 power or whatever, like the the royalty checks were. That's where you kind of yeah up. okay yeah cool. So, so I didn't care. Like I would make it okay, as, as long as you got the. <laughs> you I care. just cared about getting in the game. You know, Fair just, getting yeah. on.
1: Well, you were in two others, weren't you? You were in SmackDown versus Raw and then... Well, Raw versus SmackDown. And then 2006. Um,
2: yep, 2006. And Even though I was released the, in 2005, I made the last cut, you know, luckily. Nice. Yes,
1: they they did... I think they were nice to you in those. I think they give you like 78. It's still yeah.
2: a little low, but they,
1: they didn't carry over the 54. <laughs> uh, but actually, I'm glad you brought this up. Do you have any... So I know nowadays, they all kind of like... They go in and they spend a the day and they get their faces scanned and stuff. Back in the PS2 era and GameCube era... Was there anything on your part that you had to do? Was there a day of work when they come to the nope. for the video game, or did you just sign papers? What happened?
2: No, nope. uh, uh, for for that, um, um, I with well, the video game, with well, the action figures, what well, you had, there was a day where these people were on site, like in a big, like made makeshift uh, tent or something outside, where you'd sit and they would do a complete rotation mm. and get you yep. your whole. That's why the you know those action figures are pretty straight you know, pretty on in terms of our face characteristics and stuff and uh, but it's, in terms of the video game, um, that was all motion captions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and did I, you have to do that? We didn't have to do it. There there was the the kind of the rookies did and, and I, guess I but I did that before. So when I was in the WCW Power Plant. Um, i'm sure they do it the same way in wwe but when they i was do, in WWE, yeah. a video game was coming out and they grabbed like a few of us um to go a tall i was a tall guy so i was doing like the moves they they put all those balls on you those suit with the yeah. balls it was in vancouver so electronic arts in vancouver yeah. which by the way vancouver is amazing um so I, for a week i just did every day from like you know nine to three ten to three or something they put me in this suit and stuff, and I would do all the big guy moves, like you know the Kevin wow. Nash, <laughs> yeah, power bomb, you know, stuff like that, and people on crash pads and stuff. So, so yeah, that was that's tough. awesome. Yeah, but that's how that's how. I, I wonder what I game that.
1: Was. I wonder what game that was. Would be Nitro. Uh,
2: I w- I w- probably. I wasn't in that yeah. game, so yeah. But you well, your performance was. My performance was. It
0: is a question mark. I I feel like. Vince McMahon would have took one look at you and just instantly fell in love. Did you have any type of relationship with Vince or any kind of fun interactions with him at all?
2: Um, you know he he used to think me and Orton, you know, are our, are our, uh, we were always goofing off. He used to he used to like our youth, you know, our youth, you know. He used to, um, and that was the whole thing, you know. In the that they did that documentary, and
0: so Triple H did a- not like the youth, but Vince did.
2: Vince did, Vince did, and 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 the thing I don't like about some of that shit is like the story's told, but it's story is told in the light that you know. The only thing I can say is like Triple H in the whole video said, you know, like uh, me and me and Rick, you know, didn't think it was a good choice. You know, Jindrak was a good choice, and Vince McMahon said yes, but I said no, it's not a good choice. Like, like the, the how I remembered it was like, like. For example, these car rides, like when we when we were gonna be the group Evolution, Trip Triple H wanted to um, rent the car for the loop. Flair would be on the, the loop and me and Orton. So we'd all ride from town to city to city for the four day loop in, you know, Lincoln or something. And and Triple H wanted to talk like, you know, want to talk about wrestling, like, okay, here's the situation, hot tag and you know, get get all the boys talking and stuff. And it always turned into like, you know, me and Orton just being wild and, and Flair loved our wildness, you know, like he'd get all fired up and stuff, boys, we? you know, <laughs> like he, we'd go to restaurants and he'd be like, you know, boys, you know, we're going to do a radio interview and I want, I want you to hook up with the girls and pictures and I want pictures on your cell phone tomorrow. <laughs> and Triple H would whisper in our ears, like, don't you dare, you dipshits. he calls dipshits. Um, so he was like, you know, like they had every right to kick me out of the group, like um, because when I wasn't on the tour, when I wasn't on the loop, Orton would be by himself and it was like, you know, he would take kindly to learning and learning the, you know, stuff like that. But when I was there, it was fun time again. You know, him and I had a great time, and it just didn't it didn't work out. And and who's the one who's going to get the shaft? Was it me, a first generation wrestler, or Orton, who already they're impressed with, third generation wrestler, had all the tools. It was in his blood, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah. They would the never let it go. <laughs> yeah, it was the obvious choice, you know? So um, they gave me, they get like, I had so many opportunities to, like, you know, it's just, I just wasn't, until I got released from it, I just didn't give a shit, you know? Like, I didn't, I didn't give a shit like it, it like, I take that back I gave a shit I was timid you know like I was too scared all the time but at the same time like not really pay attention it was it was a weird dynamic and then when I went to Mexico it was a completely different thing you know so you you lose that oh my god like I I've studied to be a wrestler I've learned I've perfected everything I can to be a wrestler and now I'm not a wrestler now what you know Mm -hmm. so you know, I couldn't do the nine to f- I couldn't do the nine to five thing back when I was twenty one. I was 6'5", 235 pounds. Now, now I'm six six, two 253. I got to go back to a nine to five, and I was like, "Fuck!" You know, that's why I started try- trying out Mexico, and Japan, and stuff. So um, that and that's when I learned how to get over. You know, it was like, you know what? Like, if you don't give a shit, it's gonna be the same thing for you here. You know, mm-hmm. so I immediately took it seriously in Mexico and and learn the language and, and learn the traditions and learn what got heat and, and pick people's brains like, like eddie guerrero you know and, and uh, uh ray um even lo and behold like it was strangely enough like i was going to an atlanta falcons game one time and um chris benoit um was with his son going to the game he tapped me on the back of the shoulder I, he was i like, heard you're in mexico doing well and he, even i picked his brain you know because he was a, a star in mexico you know so I just um, I took it real serious. I didn't know I didn't know the politics of it. You know, I didn't know who was who, who's over, who's not over. I just I almost was like Brock Lesnar when he first came on the scene. You know, like hey, sorry about it. They want me to gar- they want to power bomb through a fucking garbage can. Sorry about it, dude. I'm getting over. It, you know? <laughs> when
0: when you did get over in Mexico, um, did. I always wondered this, like, did WWE come back calling, or did, I know TNA was pretty big back then, and, like, you worked with Kurt Angle no, in no. WWE, and then he was in TNA. Did TNA try to reach out, or WWE reach no, out again? No, no,
2: TNA never. I, I, I kind of. really. I, 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 I don't you? know if I had heat. I don't know if I had heat with them or something, but, like. Um,
0: did you get on with Kurt when you worked with him?
2: Who? Uh, with Kurt, Kurt Angle? Angle? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. Not, not re- I mean, kind of, sort of. <laughs> he, at that time at that time he had a, he had that that um he was going through his issues and stuff you know with um pain pain management uh-huh. and stuff so I, I wasn't getting a true reading on him anyways you know like he probably if you were to ask him he probably wouldn't remember and and we had long conversations and stuff you know like it was just a different time w w e the wrestling was a different time and and um you know i I'm, I'm glad he's doing better i don't you know i, I don't really keep in touch with many people um I talked to ray the other day um you know talked about it's crazy his son dominic's doing so well right now you know like um i remember from being good friends with ray back on smackdown back in 2004 like dominic was probably like i don't know five five years old six Mm -hmm. years old um it's just crazy and you know now i flip on the tv and he's getting mega heat and
0: he's all over the show
2: yeah he's getting confidence you know he's got his he really kind of get learned his character and stuff and to be honest like that's that's what i kind of learned if you you know like i was always like like i said i just never i learned how to work like I, how i wanted to work you know but like le- like i wasn't william regal you know what i'm saying like right and um <laughs> you know and mexico like kind of allowed me to be that way you know like i said so that's that's why you know i kind of gravitated towards that. It was actually the right move, you know, and like I said, that's probably millions on the table because of the whole evolution thing, fallout, fall but, um, you know, Mexico, like, from traveling with guys, like, like, and Raw, like, when I used to travel with Randy Orton, and then i go to SmackDown, i travel with Ray and Stu and Eddie Guerrero. Guess who was the, on the low end of the totem pole when people want autographs and stuff? Like, I was like, you know, you know, like, 20 people would be in a pile, and they'd all wait for Ray and Eddie, and then they'd ask my, for me my autograph, you know, so I, I just I, I wasn't a hater or anything, I just envisioned, I was like, you know what man, I've never. how do I, you know, and I'd try to figure it out, wrap it around my head, so when I went to Mexico and, and I started getting over, like, I it, I enjoyed it, you know, like, that's probably one of the reasons why I never really even, like, investigated coming back to WWE, because it felt so good being over, you know, I was, I was really <laughs> over, it, it felt... Amazing, and, and it wasn't just being over as a wrestler, like oh, in, in the states, the United States, people don't understand, like, oh, you're over as a wrestler. Like, there's probably 10 to 15 guys in a wrestler's in America that they'll, they will might, you know, like really get sweated in the mall or something. You know, most guys can go into the radar, but like in Mexico, like uh, everyone's the average heart's height's like five foot seven. I'm six six, you know, you
0: stick out big time. Yeah. All
2: the wrestlers wear masks, I don't, you know. Um, and I was getting mainstream gigs on TV. Like, you know, like Good Morning America here to our country is a, yeah. a program called OI there. I would go on that program and just do like the most ridiculous shit. Take my shirt off, flex, talk with my biceps, have my biceps <laughs> talk Spanish. Oh, st- And it got over, like it got over. And so I was getting over mainstream Mexico. Right. And that was different from, you know, like it was different than... um. And that was probably the the biggest feather in my cap in 2009 at the height of my popularity, probably in Mexico, WWE was kind of hitting the TV there. Like they they hit that Televisa channel free TV and people just fell in love with it and stuff, you know, but like, and they did a tour of Mexico. So Ray was there, um, Batista was there, a lot of, you know, big stars from WWE and, uh, I was there hanging out with them, obviously, and probably I was getting more love than all they were getting love you know because I was a mainstream star you know that goes right. further than the wrestling like I was on main hit tv shows you know like like number 1 and and I was just really really fortunate you know and then when then when I be got over on the outside my job even became easier on the inside of the ring because right then you know then I would do my like ravaging I got that ravaging rip hick uh Rick uh Rick, Rick Rude hip swivel over <laughs> and that was like my like all right. like that was my taunt, you know. It was, That's it all was you people. had to do really, huh? They, all, they I do, all I had to do. All I had to do. All I right. had to do. You know, like the great thing is like I had the girls in my palm of my hand, you know. So like sometimes if the crowd was more heelish, Brutoish, which Arena Mexico was a tough arena, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'd be getting the boo sometimes, the boo birds would be out, Ooh. But I would do one hip swivel and 5,000 girls would just swallow that. Ah, we just swallow those booze alive. I'd be like, shut your mouth, clown. I own your <laughs> ladies. I own your ladies. But it was That's... a great time. And, and Rocky, and then, you know, Rocky, I had Rocky Romero and Alex Causal. They were my best friends there. And it was just a really, really great time, man. So I guess
0: just to sum things up, so like your whole career, you know, you're a WCW, you're a WCW. You won the tag titles in WCW, right?
2: Yep, yep. Yeah.
0: You won the tag titles. You had your run in the WWE, WWF. You know you were part of a WrestleMania. I'm sure you got a trading card in WWE. I know you got an action figure, video games. Then this big career in Mexico with CMLL and, and, and AAA. What would you say overall was like your career highlight, or sort of the the most important moment to you during your like wrestling career? Because obviously we know everything that it led to outside of wrestling, but just wrestling as a whole. Cause I know you said, you know, you didn't really care about wrestling as much, but was there something that really stood out to you? Like I'm sure doing MSG WrestleMania would have been really cool. And I don't
2: know. You, I think, I, I think, I think probably the, to think back probably in the wrestling career, I, I think it was probably um, in CMLL, I won the heavyweight title. Um, and I think I was the, like the only American ever to win it, you know, right in the history, you know, like guys, like other notable names that like that people would recognize with like Val Venus. He's Canadian, mm. obviously.
0: Sean I, forget there, what, yeah. I forget
2: what he went, went as a, uh, um,
0: was he metal master or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So he was hmm. there.
2: Um, you know, like those guys, like, you know, Eddie Guerrero was there and his partner, um, our, uh, uh, our, bar. our bar, um, Jericho was there. Obviously, um, but they, they were never champion. Norman Smiley—he's not. I don't think he's American. He's from a. So, but he's actually he, British. He's British. He. I think he may have won the championship there. But Vampiro came Canada. You know, like so. I was the first American ever to win it. You know, and and uh, you know, I, I think that that um, highlight. Also, I'm in a mall. There's a call a mall called Plaza de las Estrellas, mm. Plaza of the Stars. Um, I got my hands engraved on the floor at, the, at that <laughs> plaza, which is kind of wow. I was kind that was kind of over.
0: Dude, yeah. Like, it, it's just really funny because I feel like coming from American wrestling, like Lucha Libre or Wrestling in Mexico, it's really hard to kind of transition into. Do you know what I mean? It's such a different... I almost say, like, Lucha Libre is like a whole different entity to, like, American pro wrestling. So it seems like you somehow found that transition really easy somehow.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it was... Sometimes it was just it's being the right place at the right time. And like like I said, like, Vampiro um was really over in the 90s there and they were just at that time like i said mystico the crowds were hot so it's like it's like i was just it was already on fire but i was a big can i was a big can of gasoline at the time you know and and it worked and i was and also i saw the potential right from the get-go i automatically you know like i i never did any really like indies after after i got released from wwe like i did new japan stuff like I felt like it was just, like, it was just one-off. One like, there was no, like, I wanted to be part of, like, a storyline or something, mm. you know. And, and Mexico gave me that, you know, a f- show every Friday in Arena Mexico. Um, like I said, they they um, they covered the results in the newspaper, you know. Like, when I changed from, when I made the, the big jump from bad guy to good guy there, like, I was on the front page of the sports section, you know, me fl- doing right. my Superman flight. Um, it was just. Everything just worked. It just, it just, it worked the right place, right time, uh, you know, um, and then sometimes timing is just everything, you know, obviously I put work in and, sure and I, you know, but like, it just was perfect, the perfect situation, uh, that ramp was there for my dive, uh, it just, um, I, I, I started, I started learning how to really like high fly, like do planches outside of the ring and stuff, cross bodies outside of the ring, cause these Mexican guys, they, they're, they're crazy, you know, like, right. They land like cats. I've seen so many guys almost eat shit and somehow they always land all right. You know, like, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, worst, the worst fucking muffs ever. And they, they always are all right, you know. So, so I, I you know, that probably my whole highlight, I would say, just Mexico in general. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. Because, because one thing is for like everybody, especially in my time, you know, TNA was on the up, but like, it wasn't a player, a major player yet. Like, WWE right. was the end-all, be-all. After WCW went out, it was the end-all, be-all. And in everyone's mind, it was 5 plus 5. That's the only way you get to 10, 5 plus 5. But, like, I, I went and did it an 8 plus 2, you know? Like, there's right. other ways, you know, it, there's other ways to do it, you know? like the, the, Then some guys started doing New Japan, you know? Like, you know, guys that weren't really, they're kind of, dragging their feet with in the United States. Like a guy like Tama Tonga or uh, Juice Robinson or something where they're, like, not really getting the rotten and developmental. They say, you know what? They'll give me a chance in fucking New Japan. Like, things started popping up like that. Like And, and you know, I think in the, from the time I first went there to, like, the time I left, complete overhaul of integration. Like, like all the styles just – it's crazy how many people came through CMLL over the years, you know, from oh, – yeah. Prince Devitt, um, AKA Finn, you know, Finn mm-hmm. Baylor, uh, um, you know, guys like, like TNA actually came in and did something like they, um, did a whole, like, uh, AJ Styles was there, you know, like guys came through all the time. Like, and, uh, it's just, it's crazy how everything right now is just so global, you know, it's, it's awesome. And it's like, it's so crazy that WWE definitely isn't just five, you know, there's now there's, you can even get over on the Indies and make a good living on the Indies sometimes. Yeah. Here. Oh you yeah. Know? Like if you're smart about it and now, you know, like in, and uh, especially with monetization of like, uh, you know, social media and stuff. And, and it's just a lot of Avenue for guys, uh, to make, make a, a living and earning, you know, for their family. So, so it's great. Um, you know,
0: absolutely dude well you know that's what we're trying to do here on this podcast (laughs) monetize um i know you haven't got too much time and you've got your family and everything to deal with so um mark thank you so much for joining us where can we find you on the social media as you brought it up
2: um shoot man
0: you don't really do instagram you told me that's why we we took a few weeks to get this sorted
2: (laughs) i was throwing stuff and i'll post every once in a while i think at it's at marco Corleone or you know, Jindrack one or something. <laughs> we'll up on up.
1: I'll find it and put it up. And in okay. the episode description as well, I'll plug your eBay site as well.
2: There oh, we oh, Mark Jindrak cards. Mark Jindrak cards Gindrack.
1: at eBay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get them
2: on there. Don't you worry. That'd be awesome.
0: And when are those, when are those uh, next dates, the Robles promotion ones? Or where um, are
2: they? Those dates are going to be uh, February 16th, 17th and 18th. That's Mexico, Mexico City, Saltillo and Monterrey, Mexico.
0: I think I might be booked somewhere else that weekend already, but if I'm not, I'm going to text Robles and try and get on there.
2: Get on there, man. (laughs) Get on there again. That would be, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe we can turn that three way dance into a two on two, you know, there
0: we go. I can do a hip swivel. I can do it.
2: (laughs) Do (laughs) a couple long.
0: Absolutely. Awesome. Thank thank you so much, Mark. Really appreciate time. You've been great. Very generous with your time and very honest. So thank you so much. Thank you, Marty.
2: Thank you, Sam definitely a, you good, good so luck with your program mark. and stuff and uh I'll, I'll be checking it out man awesome thank, thank you mark thank you Take thank care. you bro glad to. Do.
1: that interview was really fun right really cool i loved it
0: awesome awesome yeah. interview with Mark Jean drag i want to thank him for giving us that time thank very you. open very honest intriguing how huh? you just think after this interview i just was left a question in my head like man if he if he just you know cared more about wrestling he probably could have been such a Mm. big superstar but it's just i guess it just wasn't for him and that's that's okay and i mean he's into something else but he definitely had the potential to be like multi-time world champion and everything else so it's interesting to think what could have been but at the same time just talking to him it sounds like he's had a really incredible life and career seems really happy doing what he's doing now so I think that's awesome. really, really cool. Do you ever, when you ask a question, you
1: don't know where it's going to go. And then they reveal something that you find really interesting that you've never heard before. Like when you talk about Shane McMahon measuring him touching the, the ceiling pole, like at the stadium, do you ever think after it's like, Oh, I wonder like if I asked a different question, what other kind of slice of trivia would we find out or bring into the world about this wrestler that no one's ever heard of before? Like you can oh. go, really go down the rabbit hole thinking about that. Can't you?
0: 100% 100% I mean this is the thing you know we, we could have spoke to Jin Drag all night and it could have been right. a three or four hour interview and you know I'm sure he'd have more than enough stories just to keep going and going but and you yeah. know we could have discussions debates everything else but obviously it's a podcast. We can't go too long. Sorry. But I thought that the hour that we did have with Jim Draghi, he, he gave us a lot. And it was for a sure, really yeah. great story. Well, everyone, we hope you have an amazing new year. I'm afraid yes. that's all we've got time for today. Today's episode is number 26. So we've officially mm-hmm. been around now for half a year, six months. And I think that's a pretty cool accomplishment. So if you've enjoyed the podcast, please give us a review on Apple reviews or wherever you want to review, that would be great. A five-star review that would really help us with the algorithm. And also if you want to email us, where should they email us, Sam?
1: At mail at the villain pod.com. M a I L at the villain pod.com.
0: Yeah. Drop us an email. Let us know what you've enjoyed in the last six months and uh, what you want us to keep doing. Maybe what you would like us to stop doing. We're always open for, honest critique here on the show so let yeah, us know let us have it but sure. I, I hope if you made it this far then you enjoy the podcast so <laughs>
1: yeah. and if you've made it this far and you've got these burning critiques yeah let us don't suffer in silence <laughs> <laughs> let us know
0: awesome all right sam all have a right. great new year
1: yeah same to you mate and everybody listening at home have a good week till next week